What is going on and welcome to the Power of Progression podcast. I'm your host, John Marone. Thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. And please do not forget to like, subscribe, follow the podcast, write a review, and then share it out to anybody who can take the value from today's episode and put it into their life. But now it is time to help you design the life you've always wanted to live, creating the ultimate version of yourself, and jump into the episode. So let's get it popping. What is going on? And welcome back to another episode of Power of Progression. I got a special guest for you, a friend of mine, Mike Sesniak. So listen, Mike and I actually met at a Thrive Conference, and then him and I spoke in Delaware. And I knew he needed to come on this show. But after spending several years in the corporate world, Mike didn't realize what was happening to him. He was struck with anxiety and panic attacks. And while everything looked good and great on the outside, behind closed doors, he was completely broken. And after leaving corporate America, that's when he started his self-discovery process, where he found his way into being a super successful entrepreneur, consultant, and coach, which he certified through the High Performance Institute. He's the president and head coach at The Results Engine, where he helps his clients boost their productivity and performance so they could scale their results in life and in business. Mike is also the founder of Fear Hacking Academy, where he helps sales teams scale their production by a minimum of 30% within 90 days. And lastly, he is the host of the top-rated podcast, The Results Engine. And Mike is here to show you how to increase your productivity and increase your quality of life. My brother, what is going on, Mike? John, that was awesome. Quite the intro, bro. I appreciate you. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Absolutely. And like I said, in the beginning of the intro, when you and, guy, when you and I met um, in, in uh, Vegas for Thrive, yeah. I was like, this, this dude knows his shit. And I need to get him to articulate some value to my audience because I think they need to hear it. Um, so I you. appreciate that. Then uh, we jammed out over in Delaware at uh, the Unleash You conference. Mm-hmm. Me, you, Trent Shelton, Saba. It was, it was a good little event. Yeah. It's funny, man, that, that event where we first connected, we had been connected on social for like a year and a half, two years before that. But when we finally got to connect in person in Vegas, I actually was only at Thrive. It, the event was Friday to Sunday, I believe. And I left Friday afternoon because my cousin got married on Saturday back on the East Coast. So, you know, I told Cole, I'm like, yo, I'll be there until Friday afternoon, you know, and, uh, and we had the opportunity to speak. That's where I met Mike Faber, where I got introduced uh, or invited to go speak down in, in Delaware as well. So um, yeah, it's funny. Like when you bet on yourself, bro, and you put yourself in those situations, even though it doesn't make sense to anybody else, it's like, why are you going to fly to Vegas for like 48 hours? Like, I don't know. Cause I want to, and uh, you know, good things happen. So it was awesome. We got to connect back then. Absolutely. And, and guys, listen to what he just said. I mean, there's already value just being dropped. Like he had a prior engagement, right? He was going to his sister's wedding. How many people cousin. right now? Sister's not getting married yet. <laughs> oh, all right, cousin. And how many people right now would be like, man, there's this event. It's four days. I can only go two because I have a prior engagement. So I'm not even going to go. A lot of us would go ahead and just figure out that excuse ahead of time. But you're like, if I'm there for 24 hours, I can grab one new relationship or one new opportunity that can go ahead and help me get to where I want to go faster, more effective, more efficiently. So that right there is already a, a gold nugget. But what I want to dive into first, man, is I want to dive into you in corporate America. And, and guys, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you're not in corporate America or you never have been, this is not about corporate America. This is what he went through um, that really shines some light into his own life that I think we all deal with it at different levels. Um, 
And I just want you to kind of talk about corporate America a little bit and tell us about that journey that you went through to really end up having these anxiety attacks mm -hmm. um, and these panic attacks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, like my, my journey started in corporate, you know, my college search was based on where I or started in software engineering. Uh, my college search was based on where I could play soccer and I needed to get a good education. I did not come up in a family that was like, you can go D1 for the sake of going D1. It's like, nope, you ain't getting that piece of paper that's useless. Like you're going to get a good education as well. And if you can play amazing soccer, great, do that as well. And um, so I dumb lucked my way into getting recruited by a great engineering school, get this degree, go into software. And I spent five years in corporate uh, at my company before I left and took the business full time. And in that entire process, like the linear, the growth was very linear, like big pay raise or big promotion every single year, excelling. Like I was the youngest engineer at the company by like a decade. Um, and like I had all the targets that I thought I was supposed to go for, right? Like I had the senior title, I had the six figure salary, I had the luxury apartment all by the age of like 25, you know, and on the outside, like you mentioned, things were beautiful. Like everyone thought things were perfect. Obviously, people like you and I, we know that that's not always the case. And in reality, behind closed doors, I was struggling a ton. And for me, uh, you know, I never forget January 1st, 2014 was the first day that I ever experienced a full blown panic attack. And I remember my roommate was out of town. I think he was up like skiing somewhere, bailed, bailed on me. And uh, it was New Year's Day, obviously. And I'm sitting on my couch on the 14th floor of this apartment and apartment building and I'm watching Captain Phillips and I was so pissed off about this because I was so excited to watch Captain Phillips, bro. I've been like procrastinating to watch this movie for like two years or however long it had been out already. I wanted to watch it so badly and it's like forever tarnished because of what I experienced in that moment. But for anyone that's ever experienced a full blown panic attack, it feels like, or if you haven't experienced it rather, it feels like there's a thousand pounds on your chest and you know, it feels like you just can't breathe and, you know, in that moment, you seek connection, you seek someone to talk to. My roommate was out of town, so I had no one to talk to in that moment. And, you know, I, I didn't want to be the one called 911 on myself. You know what I mean? And I remember I, I called my mom to just go for it, to like seek that connection and get someone to talk to. And I'll never forget, I had to press mute on the phone because I was head deep in a toilet in the middle of that attack. And I didn't want to freak her out more than she already was based on my tonality and all that stuff, you know? And at this point in time, like I had no idea what was going on. I had never experienced anything like this, you know, right? Like everything was perfect on the outside. Right. And I didn't know anyone who had been through anything similar. I'd never heard anyone talk about this stuff. So it set me on this year long journey. It started out with like, I genuinely thought something was wrong with my lungs. I went to the doctors, got my chest x-ray, did the breathing tests. All of it yielded no results. And it wasn't until a year that I don't know if I heard someone say anxiety or like I came across the word or I started to do some like self-diagnosis and really look into what that actually meant and start to get some clarity on what it was that I was feeling. Cause before then they like prescribed me an inhaler to give me like immediately relief, immediate relief, like in those moments and hope it would help. It didn't. And, um, you know, it set me down this journey and being the engineer, I had to reverse engineer what was going on in those moments like what led to it? What was happening when I experienced these attacks? And without fail, John, every single time, it was when I felt guilty for not working. You know, and I didn't realize, first of all, I didn't realize that I had zero clue what productivity meant, like none. I thought it was doing things, being busy, getting things done, checking it off the to-do list. I didn't realize that doing things 
didn't matter if the things I was doing didn't matter. Mm. Right. And then you pair that with a very toxic landscape of social media. I didn't realize it was a highlight reel, you know, so someone like myself and like you, and as I'm sure like a lot of people listening to this, like I had very high goals and very high expectations. So you pair that with a, I didn't realize that people that I was looking up to that seemingly had what I wanted were only sharing the highs and not the lows. I thought I was looking at the blueprint. And when I wasn't living in alignment with what I thought had to lead to that, be it the working 47 hours a day, then I wasn't being productive enough. So that just opened me up into this world and productivity is only a fraction of what we do now in the high performance world, but it's what opened the space for me. And I started to go down the rabbit hole. I started to geek out about it. And, um, and I really started to, to just start to figure out like, what, how could I improve that? Because I knew if I, if I could show up a little bit more powerfully when I was working and start to build a little bit of a healthier mindset around what I actually wanted to create, then I might not have experienced what I experienced. You know, I might be able to avoid going through what I went through. And that was where it all started, man. And, you know, I, I built multiple businesses while I was in corporate, uh, the coaching consulting, I, I started that for the last year and a half while I was in there. And then I took that full time and I've never looked back and it's been the most gratifying thing I've ever been able to do. And, and I'm just blessed to be a part of the, this, uh, this community and this, this industry. Absolutely, man. And that's an incredible story because I think a lot of people do have that anxiety that hits them. Um, but before I even dive into that, you said that you did everything you're supposed to do. Hmm. Whose rules was that? Like whose terms was that? was that your parents? Was that you? Was that society telling you that this is the rules? Because, yeah. you know, I, I think for, for you, knowing what you know now, you could say, well, that was this person's rules, right? So knowing what you know now, whose rules were they? What terms, whose terms was that? Yeah, I think it, I think it was society in the bigger picture, you know, like my parents have always supported everything I've ever done. Uh, even up until, even not up until that sounds like it stopped, but like, even when I decided to leave corporate, you know, and, um, the, that was not like, there was some persuasion involved there, but like, eventually we were all on the same page. And, um, so, you know, I, I very much grew up in that structure that as society were sold of go to school, get good grades, get a good job but I knew I wanted something more for myself. And I always knew that I wanted to, to build something for myself and take ownership and build my own business and be in bigger business. So, you know, those metrics, those targets, that was kind of what society was pushing on me. Um, I wouldn't say that my parents really pushed it on me, at least not intentionally. Like uh, there was never like, you have to do this. It was like, they were just always proud of what I was accomplishing. Uh, but I think it was that societal push of, you know, you got to, Everywhere, everyone that I grew up in, like everyone was moving to the city and getting that big corporate job and, you know, and, and doing well at the big firm and stuff like that. And I'm all like, like, all right, whatever. I thought I was going to do that, but like, screw that. Like, I want to do whatever I want to do. And, you know, there, there's some ego stuff involved there as well. But, uh, but yeah, it was definitely society. Let me ask you this though. So you talked about all my friends were going to the city, getting these jobs. You know, like, I guess I just needed to fall in line. What about the mm -hmm. other half, the other part of the world too? It's like, all my friends are staying here. All my friends are, you know, working that nine to five and getting $70,000 a year and being okay with it. But I don't want that. Right. So the person yeah. that's listening, it's like, dude, I want more, but if I like, I'm falling in line right now and this is not where I want to be. And I want to take the jump. Cause I think it's, 
it doesn't make a difference whether you're jumping out of the corporate world into entrepreneurship or vice versa, right? It really doesn't make a difference, but to take that jump out of what you thought was success and say, I'm going to create my own. A lot of people struggle with that initial leap. So what would you tell them on how to process that initial leap and what to do to actually get going? Yeah, well, I think uh, I'll share what held me back and then we'll start to paint the picture around it and hopefully it'll be value of people to for people. But for me, there were a lot of negative like BS stories that I was telling myself as to why I couldn't take the leap yet. Like I, I had already come to terms with the fact that I wanted something more and I was taking that action outside of that, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week that I was selling to the company in the middle of my day. You know, I was doing the 5 to 7 a.m., 7 to 11 p.m., like side hustle type stuff. And uh, so I knew that that's what I wanted. However, that alone is difficult enough. Like when, when you're building a business, it is hard enough that most people don't understand why you're doing it. Right. And then you, you pair that with, Oh, now I'm going to leave the corporate job full time. And I'm going to walk away from, I was making good money at the time. Like I wasn't making FU money, but I was making like a solid six figure salary and rent in New York is pretty damn high <laughs> as you know. So like, you know, it, the pushback was crazy. So I think there are a couple of main pieces. One, my stories that I was telling myself were complete BS and subconsciously they developed some very negative money mindsets that I had to break through, which I had no idea that even existed. I thought I had a great view of money. It was a tool, you know, it provided opportunity. None of the BS that we're told of, you know, it changes people. It makes you evil. All this stuff that's just frankly not true. Like if you're an asshole without money, you're going to be a bigger asshole with money, right? It's a magnifying glass. But I, I knew that those were, you know, positive views of money, but I didn't realize what I was actually telling myself, which was, I can't leave this job until I make a hundred grand in the business, which, you know, is difficult if you're only doing five to 7 a.m., 7 to 11 p.m., you know, and all that I wanted in that moment, John, like all I wanted to do was to leave corporate. I wanted to take my business full time. That's all I wanted. And the only thing in the way was this financial target. So intrinsically, money becomes everything, right? And I didn't know that I believed that. I literally, I was in Fiji at Tony Robbins Life and Wealth Mastery and I was doing this exercise where we had a worksheet, right? And we would, if we were working together, I would give you my worksheet. You would ask me the questions so I could just speak and you would just try and capture everything. So we try and get rid of the filters. And uh, the guy that I was working with was asking me this question and it was like, what is money to you? Like, what does money mean to you? Like, what is money? And the word everything kept popping into my head. And I literally said to him out loud, I said, dude, I don't think I believe this, but it keeps coming up and I got to say it out loud. Money's everything. And it all of a sudden, like, bam, the light is shed. And like, I had to work through it, but I didn't realize it. So for me, to your, to your question, what needs to be done? One, it's identify the stories. Two, it's start to ask better questions that are confronting, but can actually ask like, are they true? If they're not cool, what, what can we move forward? And we can start to ask better questions so we can get better answers. But then the other piece, that social push, I think you've got to get around people that, that have a similar vision because inevitably life will punch you in the throat. And when that pushback is, is so, so, so ubiquitous, like everywhere and you feel like you're fighting a war on all fronts, you need those people that are going to lift you up, bro. It's so important. And especially in that moment where I, I took the leap and, and left corporate at a time when, by the way, I had ripped my business to the floor and was starting from scratch. Um, I, I needed those people. 
So it started with uncovering what the stories were that weren't true, digging into them, piercing holes, and then finding what's what getting clarity around what actually was true about my situation. And then when it come to t- when it came time to take that leap, I needed those people around me to help lift me up when inevitably I got that pushback. And, uh, and it was, it was huge for me. I love that guys. Listen, like super, super careful and be taking notes because he just said something simple. Like first off, raise your hand and identify what are the stories you're telling yourself that don't serve you in the goals that you have. Right. And, and number two is ask better questions to get better results. And I'm a huge, huge preacher of this to all the sales teams that I teach and just in general. Right. I always say your quality of, of life is proportionate to the quality of questions you ask yourself. Right. And for, for sure. sales guys, you know, your, your, your income is directly proportionate to the quality of questions you ask your clients. Um, and so those two things are huge for me, but you're talking about get around the right people, get around the right people that can lift you up in the world. We live in nowadays. A lot of issues we have is like the compare and despair, right? Like who am I to go ahead and do this? People are going to make fun of me if mm. I go ahead and I put myself out there. Like, I mean, to take me for an example, right? When I first started my coaching company, I knew people were going to be talking shit, right? I knew people were going to be like, man, who's this guy? Because they remember John Marone when he was out there partying, fighting, doing drugs. That's who they know, right? Yeah. They didn't see the transformation. They didn't see what was going on behind closed doors for me to become a better person. Um, and they were just waiting <clears> for me to fuck up, right? Like they're, they're just waiting for that moment. So yeah. they're like, ha ha, told you so. And every little slip, gotcha. up, whether it's just a misspelling of a word or me not being on my A game or putting on some weight, whatever it might have been, they were there to be like, ha ha. So they're going to be there. It's not like the, the haters disappear. It's not like people aren't going to judge you. They will. Yeah. For you to leave your network at that current moment who are all in this one path, they're all rowing this way. And you're like, I'm going to jump out and I'm going to actually go the opposite way. How did you compartmentalize in your mind of like, okay, they're either like, whatever they say don't, doesn't matter. Or did you just say, you know what, like they're either going to come with me or not. Like, how did you process that? Cause I think that's a big fear people have, Mike, is that yeah. the two things that you talked about for sure that they could work through, but it still comes down to when I step out into the world, the fear of being judged by the people around me is what's going to cripple me back into the place I don't want to be. Yeah. So I think for me, there's, there's a couple interesting pieces that kind of led to the reality of my situation when I did take that leap. And uh, there's a couple things. One, the people in corporate, like in that same path that I was in, they were jealous of, and like in a good supportive way, they're like, damn, I wish I could do that type of thing. So there wasn't like, there was very little, um, like, wow, you're going to fail type stuff because, and here's why I think that is one, like I wasn't surrounded by a ton of like engineer or die type people. You know, it was, it was a little bit of an older company people. It was kind of like, not like lifers. I get like, it was a nine to five for a lot of people, like not a career. eh, I don't, I don't want to use that word, but like a lot of my colleagues would like leave and go pick up their kids. You know, like it was what they did to provide for their families. So a lot of them were like, good for you for betting on yourself. Um, it was the people outside of that world that really had the negative pushback because dude, I can, I can relate it. I don't have exactly a similar story as you, but like, dude, I came from a world where when I was in college, I was that straight faced intense dude. Like if you didn't know me and you saw me, you thought I wanted to kill you 
You know what I By mean? By the way, if you guys don't know Mike, he's like seven foot ten. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, dude, like I had to work to develop this tonality, to work to develop like any facial expressions. You know what I mean? And it's been a long journey. But I came from that world. So people that know me from back then, they know that part of me. Right. If, if like, I always joke that if you think I'm a bad person, you either like one screwed over someone that I care for tremendously or two, just like, don't care enough to look into it. Right. And don't understand to look into enough that I like genuinely love people. It's why I do the work that I do. But like, if you come from that world, you wouldn't know what I'm really about. And um, so I was coming, like, maybe there was pushback, but it was so silenced because I had spent so much time building around me. You know, by the time I left corporate, I had already been in two other business ventures. One of them was network marketing. And I like, there's a very misunderstood industry for me. It served a great role because it got me around amazing people, made a decent amount of money, went on some cool trips that the company paid for, did all that stuff. And it, it's got me falling in love with personal development, but most importantly, it got me around people. So there were so many really supportive people. Like, dude, at one point I had to basically decide when, again, life will inevitably punch you in the throat. There's highs and lows with everything. I had to decide, do I need to go back to corporate or like, what do I have to do to keep betting on myself? And one of my, one of my closest friends who I met because of that network marketing company, dude, he literally sat me down. He's like, don't be an idiot. You've gone way too far to even consider that. Like, let's go. And it was because I surrounded myself with those people. So it was a lot of work that led up to the community that I was blessed to have around me because it never would be there was pushback, but it was so silenced, yeah. right? It was drowned out by the positivity for me. And um, by the way, to speak to the, like, I'm going to look stupid. I did look stupid for five years and like go back to my videos. I remember I was living on the, on York Avenue on the Upper East Side. There was no two second Avenue line. So I had to walk all the way halfway across Manhattan to Lexington at like 5 a.m. I'd be wearing sweatpants with my grandpa's old like pea coat overcoat that was like full length with my gym bag going down to get a workout in before the day started. And I remember it would be like brick outside, like 20 degrees wind flying through the skyscrapers. And I'd be like trying to hold the camera like to talk. And <laughs> I sucked. It was horrible. But by the time I took this leap, I had developed at least like a little bit of proficiency in the space. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I endured all that already. Cause let's be real. Whenever you do anything out of our comfort zone, which I know that we're all striving to do, you don't listen to podcasts like this. If you don't want amazing things with our lives and we know that we need to get uncomfortable to achieve those things, it's, you're going to be bad at it. Like you're going to suck when you first start and then you're going to get a little bit better. And you're going to suck a little bit less and you're going to suck a little bit less. And like, you're going to go down that path and eventually you'll be halfway decent. Right. And then everyone starts that way. So I said to rant about that for a second, no, but I, it was I this culmination. It. Yeah. And, and, and he talks about, you talk about embracing the suck, right? Like yeah. Embrace the suck guys. Like be willing to suck in public. Um, and don't be fearful of how they're going to judge you. Cause people, no matter what are still going to do that. Like I'm so, I'm sure people are judging Mike. They're judging me. And guess what? No Facts. matter what level we get to, there's going to be more people judging us. It's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. um, but it's super interesting because you said that, hey, man, look, when I was in my nine to five, I was building my tribe so that when yeah. it was time to finally step out, I had the right people around me. I think a lot of people who are kind of right now like, okay, I want to jump out of this nine to five and I want to start this business. I think they're waiting to jump out to start building that network of people that support them. Let's talk about yeah. that and how people could be more productive 
and not go home at six o'clock and just shut it off or go home and say, hey, it's a freaking weekend, man. And then not do anything. And then come in on Monday and be like, man, I really want to start my own business. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge issue with this world. It's like, they want all these things when they're working, it's nine to five. But the issue comes down to when it's nighttime, when they have downtime, when it's the weekend, they're doing nothing to be extremely productive and mm-hmm. move the needle a little bit further to actually jumping into their own business. Yeah. Dude, it's never been easier, right? Like we have meetup.com where like I was super spoiled because I was in New York City. There's probably like a thousand a night. You know what I mean? But you could go to those networking events. Do we have Facebook groups? We have LinkedIn groups. We have Instagram engagement groups, like all these things where like, well, Instagram engagement groups is a whole different thing. Like people trying to growth hack on there, but like, dude, there are, there are Instagram groups that you can be a part of these communities. You could follow hashtags and start to build relationships with people that are interested in similar things. Like, dude, you have to take the initiative though. And type in like, dude, there's like uh, Ryan Steuben sales talk for sales pros group on yeah on Facebook, you know, there's, it's like meme central. So it's super funny, but like, uh, which makes sense because Ryan's hilarious dude, but, uh, there are countless different groups, you know, and, and we just need to start to get out of our comfort zone, which by the way, was really difficult for me. I like, I labeled myself an introvert for my entire life. Uh, without realizing that I actually love people and I actually thrive when I'm around people. I just have a ton of social anxiety about breaking that ice and getting the conversation started. Once it's open, as anyone listening to this can tell, you can't get me to shut up. You know what I mean? So uh, we need to take a little bit of initiative, get uncomfortable and, and join those groups. Or maybe it is comfortable, in which case, like, what are you waiting for? But we need to start to build those relationships because it, it starts like that. Dude, one of my closest friends is started from someone in that network marketing business. We didn't work together at all. We were just introduced, hit it off, always kept in contact, met in person the first time because we were like deciding we wanted to invest in ourselves and go to an event. And our our budgets were based off of us splitting a hotel room. We had known each other for two and a half years at that point. And it was for Lewis Howe's Summit of Greatness. And dude, I gave my, I gave my, uh, got the time off, but I'm like, dude, I'm going to go get this time off right now. Assuming you commit to come to this event with me. Then I booked like a bootleg bus out of Chinatown overnight to like get down there. And it was wild, but you know, it's dude, it starts as a virtual friendship. Like, dude, I don't, some people maybe still think that that's weird, but it's the reality that we live in. And why not leverage it? So do what you got to do because otherwise, dude, if you jump off of that cliff and try and build those wings down when like literally like boulders are falling from the sky, boulders being the pushback that you're going to get from society, you don't have other people to lift you up or like swat those boulders away, bro. It's going to be tough. And oh, I um, love that analogy. Yes. Dude, we, we, we need to do that work and be proactive about it because eventually you'll get to that point where the business is ready to go right? And you could take that full time and you can bet on yourself. And, and it's so much better when you have a community around you, astronomically yes. more, more better, more better. Mm, Jeez, more Mike, better. come on. It's been a lot come of, on, it's, been a, it's been a lot of long day for you. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love talking about, don't try to build the wings on the way down, bro. Like that's, I just love that. Um, and, and something that they have fear of is probably stepping out of that comfort zone and, and fear hacking Academy is something, you know, that's, that's yeah. one of your babies. So tell us a little bit more how people overcome fear. What do you think the number one fear is in a human? Because I, I like to challenge people with that. What do you think the number one fear is in a human from all your studies and how do people overcome it? Yeah. Well, most people would say it's public speaking, right? Yeah. Um, so fear hacking is more about leveraging fear instead of overcoming it. 
Like I think that, so when we talk about fear, what do we think about? Public speaking, death, heights, the dark, spiders, all these things, right? Negativity. But you and I know that decisions are emotional. They're not logical. And it comes down to pain versus pleasure, right? Running away from pain is far more powerful than seeking pleasure. So if all of these things about fear are actually negative, why would we want to be only paralyzed by and not leverage the most powerful piece of our decision-making? You know what I mean? So fear hacking is a practice that, frankly, I just used for myself when I was going through some of those funks and I was losing pieces of my personal life that would like made me who I was, like my personal development, meditation, working out, nutrition, like different areas like that. And then it, I was like, dang, that worked. Like, holy crap, that worked. Let me see if I could do it in business. And then in 12 weeks, we did like 300 Instagram posts. I keep saying we when I tell the story. It was me. Like, I didn't have a team. But 12, uh, 12 blog posts, 300 plus Instagram posts, 36 Facebook Lives. Like, the production was wild. And it was all because of the same practice. So I'm like, okay, this is very versatile. Let me figure out how I can, eventually I got introduced to the coaching industry in a way that I was okay to enter it. Uh, and I built this program on the flight home from actually from that Summit of Greatness event. But this was year two when I met Brendan Burchard and uh, two, three, one of this, it wasn't the first one either way, not important. And uh, I wrote this curriculum on the way home, just an educational system around what happens in the decision-making process, how we build habits, all these different pieces that are really crucial and Fear hacking is just a practice that you can use to skyrocket production around a couple key areas that drive the needle forward for whatever it is that we want to do. So I work with sales teams and sales pros around it a lot because, dude, sales is numbers. You know this more than anybody. If you know how many cold calls lead to an appointment and how many appointments lead to a close, cool. Do 30% more of it and you'll make 30% more money. Awesome. And I wanted to get people an ROI like really, really fast. So we could do that in 90 days. Amazing. But it, like I started it for my personal life, you know, because I lost pieces of me. So it's super versatile, but it's not actually about overcoming the fear. It's about leveraging it or manufacturing fear that will drive the decision, right? Because do we know what we need to do? Usually, like if we, if we really sit down, we're like, Mike, I got to do this, 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 and this to get where I want to go. And we don't do it sometimes. Like, why? So this is just Most a practice. Exactly. So this is just a practice where we can drive the decisions we know we need to make. Right. So that's like a, that. that's kind of what it is. And, and, and that, that's success in a nutshell, right? It's like mm-hmm. doing the shit that you don't want to do when you know you need to do it. And, and people are like, Oh, you know, the motivation and motivation is super temporary. Uh, I still think people feel overwhelmed though, brother, like for sure, because they have all these things they want to do because they have all these goals, but then they have, you know, their family and they have their health and they have, you know, the doctor's appointments and they have all these things. Mm-hmm. The emotion of feeling overwhelmed just smacks them in the face. And sometimes for it sure. leads to panic attacks. It leads to anxiety, right? For sure. But yeah. it just, it really lowers their productivity and, they need to take more action, right? It's all about massive, aggressive, empowering action on a daily basis that's going to move that needle closer, right? That Mm action is going to drive more clarity. But because they're overwhelmed, they are like suffocating and they just cannot be productive. I'm sure people listening to this right now have said, the day got away from me way too many times than they should have. And that just means I was not as productive as I could have been or I should have been. 
how do people increase their productivity on a daily basis? What are like a, a few key components, a few key ingredients that's like, dude, if you do like these one, two, three things, you will guarantee at least a five, 10, 15% in your productivity. Therefore your results. Well, obviously. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you mentioned a bunch of really, a bunch of really good points there. And the first thing that I want to highlight is the massive action piece, because I think the reason people get overwhelmed is because maybe they take massive action. Maybe they don't, which is a whole different topic, but a lot of them do, but they take the wrong actions, right? They're, they're, they're majoring on the minor things. And I think that was the biggest thing for me about productivity, which was, again, I was working, like, I don't want to discount the work that I was putting in when I was struggling with anxiety and panic, I was working my ass off, but I didn't realize how, like what that really meant. Like I was doing a lot of things, but I wasn't feeling productive. Like I didn't know what that actually meant. So for me, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the clarity piece and that's where everything always has to start. If we don't know what we want, how can we intentionally work towards it? Right. You know, like we could fill a calendar. I could fill a calendar up with the best of them, but like, does it, is it going to matter? Like, are, are those things actually going to build my business, build my tribe, love on my family? Like, are, what, what are we working towards? So we need to start with that piece because dude, if not, we can't actually achieve productivity because the things that we're doing will not matter. So it always needs to start with that. Once you have that, then there are a couple other pieces and, in the high performance world, there, there are five main pillars, clarity, energy, courage, productivity, and influence. Those are the five main pillars I work with, with my clients. I think three really play well together, specifically with what we're talking about. The first we already talked about is clarity. Next one is energy because you and I know this man, like when I got in the zoom call, you're bumping some music, you're generating energy so that we could show up powerfully, have an epic conversation and create some amazing content and hopefully facilitate some breakthroughs for people. Right. If we can't generate the energy, how are we going to show up powerfully during those time blocks? Right. We might know what goes in them, but if we don't have the energy, then cool. The things don't get done. Right. And then finally, the productivity piece is kind of the culmination of all of it. Uh, that's where you might introduce some of the hacks and this sort of stuff. And uh, Brian Tracy's Eat the Frog is an amazing book full of those sorts of things. Um, but that's when we could start to maximize that calendar because we know what deserves our time. We know what's worthy of being in those time blocks. We have the energy to show up powerfully. And now we could structure it in a way that's most effective and efficient. So those three really, really work well together. And, and I think when we're missing one of them, it all tends to fall apart. But really at the end of the day, it all just gets us to pull the reins back in on what actually matters for us. Because dude, everyone will try and push their agenda on what we should be doing. Like if you're not, you know, grind, hustle, grind, I'm working harder than you, bro. Like I was that person. And I think a lot of people, their message was being misconstrued on social back then. But um, everyone will always try and push their agenda. If we know what we want, and we live in alignment with that, man, who could tell you any differently? But we got to start with the clarity piece. So good. So good. So many people ask me, John, how do I get more done in a day? And you're so right, man. It's like, let's take a step back. Let's, let's put productivity and, and, and action aside for one second. Mm -hmm. like, let's get clear on what success looks like. And then where's your energy at? So that then you could actually create the action. What do you do for, I, I have my own methods for energy. What do you do? Cause I think a lot of people are like, man, I have the energy, but by 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, I'm just, I'm spent, man. I don't, I, I'm just, I can't do yeah. that much anymore. 
Uh, what yeah. do you do to increase, to amplify, to re-engage that energy throughout the day? Yeah. Um, so I'll jump into some of my practices that I love, but I think the best place to start is there's something called the one to nine ladder, which I learned from Brendan Burchard. Uh, he, I'm sure learned it from someone else, but really it's just a bunch of guidelines, right? Like the one, take one to two breaks per hour. The biggest studies with respect to productivity have shown that the peak window of time to be working uh, without before a break is about 55 minutes or so, depending on the study you look at. But all the biggest studies have looked in that 50 to 60 minute rock. I like to split the difference. And by the way, break doesn't mean like go and take like a 30 minute walk or whatever. It means just unplug, get away and that sort of stuff. Maybe go get a drink from the water cooler or whatever. So one to two breaks per hour, uh, three to four meals per day, I think seven to nine hours of sleep. It, it builds all the way up. I have all this mapped out in a productivity boost that I'm happy to give your audience, by the way. It's like a seven day challenge that goes from clarity to energy to productivity all across and really builds it up so people can scale the hell out of their productivity really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you the links so that you can link that up or whatever. It's mikesesniak.com slash free. Um, but we map out a lot of these things. So that's always a great place to start because it's just good generic suggestions about how to treat our body a little bit better in areas that we might not be right now and really start to like inch towards this well-oiled machine that we're trying to create. So then for me, like I have my workout practices. I am just coming out of uh, my, not out of my career. I'm not in retirement from powerlifting, but taking a hiatus to really work on my business. Uh, but I was doing powerlifting for a while. I'm always in the gym. Uh, in whatever capacity that looks like for me. So I've never really focused on that because it's just like it gets done. Uh, but that undoubtedly plays a role for me. I drink a lot of water. I drink a green drink most days. Uh, I haven't done this in a while, but I have like a little rebounder, a little trampoline that I love to get on and just like bump music, good music that like just makes you feel some type of way. Um, so any, any sort of practices like that that just get the blood flowing, like dude, when I start my day, uh, a lot of my morning routine is built around energy generation because I, I'm not one of those people, like, for example, this week I was literally doing an at-home sleep study to figure out like why my sleep sucks. And, uh, like I, I had sleep apnea, I got my tonsils removed, all that sort of stuff. And I still like, I don't wake up feeling good in the morning. So I need to make sure that I'm monet, like monetize is not the right word, but like dominating the beginning of that day to generate that energy. Because if I want to wake up at four 30 or five 30 in the morning, right? And, and, and get going and dominate those couple of hours. I need to generate energy. So I'm getting up, I'm chugging a bunch of water before my feet hit the floor. I'm getting on a foam roller, you know, rolling out a little bit, doing some stretching, doing some body weight exercises, getting some blood flowing, chugging that green drink all before I even sit down and meditate. And frankly, I started to do that because I'm like, man, I don't want to fall asleep when I'm meditating at like four forty-five in the morning, but it's all energy generation. Right. And uh, there's also some breathing stuff that you could do. I don't personally do that a ton. I do it with my clients. If they love it, they keep it. If they don't, we throw it out. Um, if it's not sustainable, like what are we doing something for? Right. So we got to love what we're doing. Uh, but that's something else I'll deploy on occasion, but anything to get that blood flowing, man. And music is a huge piece as well. I know that you vibe on that. Oh yeah, bro. Always, always. And you talked about the one to nine. I definitely want to give that to my audience because it's it's such a crucial component to our success is this energy. And yeah. I, I, and I do the clarity breaks. So he talks about, you know, one to two. I, so I take 15 minute clarity breaks throughout the day and same thing. Cool. I'll take a half hour, take 10 to 15 minutes and, and I disconnect to reconnect. Right. So I mm -hmm. take my phone, it's nowhere near me. 
when I take my clarity breaks, and I think you guys need to understand this, I don't want you taking a break being on your phone scrolling through Facebook because we have 75,000 thoughts that go through our mind. I don't want it to be, you know, John Marone's post. I don't want it to be something that's not going to really empower me. I mean, my post will probably empower you, but (laughs) I want it to be, you know, just really a reconnection with your body and your soul. And if you're reading things, if you're reading posts, if you're scrolling, you're exuding energy, right? You're Mm -hmm. exuding energy. So you're not serving the purpose of a clarity break and to re-energize. And then talking exactly. about, uh, you know, you chug the water. So I always talk about triggers. So for me, it's feet touch the ground. It's water. I pound, right? Like there you go. I ground, love that. Water I pound. Because if not, if I try to drink water in bed, just to let you know, that shit is going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> going everywhere. So feet touch the ground, it's water. I pound. So very similar in our morning routine and our process. Um, and, and the rebounding. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, energy and it's just so easy to to get if you just bump something good man and just just go ahead and let yourself let loose Um, yeah super super important i i want to give you a few words brother a few words uh and without even like thinking i just want you to say the first thing first thing that comes to your mind it could be a sentence it could be a phrase it could be a color shit i don't care but i'm gonna give you a few words and i want to see how your mind works and let me know the first thing you think of you ready cool all right productivity effective failure awesome hustle harder entrepreneur winning yes i love it and the reason why i asked you that because i want to see where you went with it and one of my favorite things you said was failure and you said what awesome 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 because you understand the power of it, right? You understand yeah. the power of it. And I think yeah. people need to, to, need to realize that, uh, you know, the, the, the reason why you are successful currently, Mike, is because you went through failure. It wasn't like you skated mm-hmm. around that shit, right? Like you were you went through right it. through it like the rest of them. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the point of the show where people have been taking notes. They better get their pen and paper ready because I want you to give three actionable tools or resources that people okay. can implement immediately when they're done with this episode to be better today than they were yesterday. What are your top three things or just three things? No particular order. Cool. Um, all right. We talked about a lot about productivity. So yeah, there's already a shit ton of value in this, but yeah, <laughs> obviously those three actionable. Things. All right. So here, here's what I'll say. The first one, cause a lot of these would actually be from this and, and I know a lot of your audience is going to grab it anyway. So the first one is go get the productivity boost because like three or four of the things that I would probably give here, like time blocking and, and some breathing exercises, all of them are actually in there. So that would be number one. Uh, but if you want an actual thing, like cool time blocking would be number one. Um, outside of that, I would give, uh, there's a, Actionable breathing exercises are really, really powerful. Energy for me was the pillar that really was the most eye opening when I dove into this high performance coaching work because I came from two worlds that were heavily stimulant driven. Software engineering, the joke is you engineers turn coffee into code, right? Like the language I worked in when I started was literally called Java. So that's one. And then the fitness industry, as you know, bro, like, it supplement industry is the wild, wild west, synthetic stimulants everywhere and all sorts of pre-workouts. So I came from the engine, uh, from the world of, Oh, I got all this code to write. I got that 3 PM slump. Got to hit Starbucks or like, I got to hit, I got to chug a pre-workout so I can crush this 5 AM workout. I didn't realize that our body was, was similar to a power plant. We don't need to go and acquire it from external sources. We need to convert and, and generate it. Right. 
And we can do that through breathing exercises. So I would say uh, Brandon Burchard has a great tactic called release tension, set intention. And I would use that to inject it in between every single time block of our day, because inevitably someone's listening to this, they get off, uh, maybe they get off of a sales call that went completely wrong. And then right after it, they got to show up powerfully for a big client, right? That needs them. You don't want to be carrying that energy over. So you could do some simple practices. Um, if you Google release tension, set intention by Brennan Burchard, he, he'll really do it. I think I might've included it in the productivity boost as well, but that's some sort of like, it's, it's basically like a meditation type practice, just deep breathing, repeating the mantra release in your head over and over and over again, silently, uh, and literally visualizing like every, every bit of tension that you're holding in your body is dissipating with each iteration, with each repetition of that word. And it's just a one word mantra as you're doing that. And then do that with whatever time you can afford. You could do it with two minutes if you only have that. Once you have that, you kind of clean the slate, right? Now you can get super intentional with how you need to show up. You can start to ask those questions like, who needs me on my A game in this next block of time? Like, how do I need to show up powerfully to be best in service to the people in this, in this room? Like, what characteristics do I need to make sure really shine to the light so that I could be of service. Like all these questions that can give you that clarity of how you want to be showing up in that next block of time. And I encourage everyone to inject them into every single gap in between their time blocks. Do that in that gap, that clarity gap, if you want, uh, whenever, like you could literally do that two to five minutes in between. I map out my time, 55 minute block. I know that, well, it's a 60 minute block. I know that it's 55 minutes of work. And then I got that five minute gap to do something like this. Uh, and then conversely, you can YouTube like breath scaling. That's the, the releasing tension kind of is a breathing exercise to calm us down. Breath scaling would be massive to then generate that energy. Uh, if anyone's been to one of like Brandon's events, you've probably done it. He always makes the joke about like, like snot rocketing all over the people in front of you because you're like breathing aggressively. But it's a great example of how you can generate energy really, really fast by doing some breathing. So YouTube those really, really powerful. I think that's two, well, it was like two A and two B. So the third one, I would probably, I would say the most actionable. We talked about, you know, massive action being really important. And we also talked about that massive action. It need, we need to make sure that it's the right action, right? And oftentimes people think we need to do more to get more, but I'm sure you've experienced in this work as well, or in your work as well, John, like sometimes we actually need to do less to get more. And uh, a great practice that I mentioned Brian Tracy's book early, earlier, Eat the Frog. One of my favorite tips that he shares in that book is something called the law of three, which is if we were to look at everything that we need to do in our business, if we don't do it, it doesn't get done and everything explodes, right? And this works in a career as well, by the way, but when we get to the elimination and delegation piece of the exercise, make sure to consult your, like the people you report to don't like DM me like, yo, Mike, I lost my job. Cause I eliminated not my problem. Mike is um, responsible. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer here. Uh, but it, it applies in both worlds. And if we look at those things that we need to do and we jot every single one of them down, most people have about seven to 10 items on that list. And then again, it comes back to clarity, right? Everything should always come back to clarity. And clarity is just asking better questions. It's not difficult. High performers just do it more consistently and more frequently, right? Uh, and it's the same concept of asking better questions. But with this exercise, the one question that we need to filter this list is if I can only do one thing on this list that have the biggest impact and give me the most results in my business, what would it be? We circle it. 
We use that question again. If I could only do one more, biggest impact, most results, what would it be? Circle it. We ask it again. If I could only do one final thing, biggest impact, most results, what would it be? Those are the three items that we need to be populating our time because those three items on that list actually yield about 90% of the results according to the science. Okay, so let's assume a very simplistic world, right? A very idealistic world where we have 10 items on that list and every single one of them gets 10% of our time, of our calendar. We can now eliminate the other 70%, those other seven items, they need to be either eliminated or delegated. And only you guys listening to this can determine your life and business, like what stage you're at to do that one or the other. But the science has shown that 30% of our calendar is yielding 90% of our results. So if we get rid of that other 70, now we're getting 90% of the results and only working 30% of the time. And if that's the lifestyle you want, amazing. Like, dude, sick. Like, live with that. But if you want more, okay, well then let's double that 30. All of a sudden you're at 60% of your calendar, still working 40% less, and you're at 180% of the results, right? If you want that, great, like 40% free time, cool, live with that. It's all in alignment with what you want to create, right? But if you're not, let's add one more 30%. We're at 90% of our calendar. You're still working less, 270% of the results, right? And if you want to fill that last sliver, go for it. Then you're just tripling your results. You're at 300%. But it, the underlying message is this, because you can go into Brian Tracy's book and you can get any other practice you want. They're all amazing tips and tricks. I just always resonated with this one. And I love to share it with my clients because it, the numbers made sense to me, right? But at the end of the day, it all comes back to clarity. It comes back to being in alignment with what you actually want to create. And this is a really cool practice to be able to do that. So those would be the three. I love it, man. That was extremely valuable. And what you kept coming back to is something I preach. And I'm so glad that you do the same thing. Questions, man. Questions, mm -hmm. questions, questions. A lot of us, yes, we're about action, but it's that question that allows us to take the right action. And mm -hmm. that right there is gold, my friend. I appreciate it. If anybody implements at least one of those things, they're going to be better today than they were yesterday. People need to know where to find you. Um, but they also need to know that you have a pretty badass podcast um, and I'm excited for you to talk about it. So I tell everybody where they can find your podcast, kind of what's it about? What's the theme? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And tell everybody where they can go ahead and, and scope it out. Yeah, 100%. So uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, just type in the Results Engine Podcast and it'll be on all major players, all major podcast platforms. Um, I'm, I think I alluded to this earlier in my story. Like for me, a big piece of my journey was that I didn't realize social was a highlight reel. And uh, I've always had this, I think it became part of my mission back then that I always wanted to be very authentic and transparent as much as would serve people in my journey so that it wasn't just a highlight reel. It wasn't just sunshine and rainbows. Like people knew that what was actually going to happen when they did certain pieces of their journey and, and of the entrepreneurial journey and all these things. And I also think, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Like there's a lot of fluff in our industry. Uh, so I wanted to create a, a platform where we were just having raw, authentic conversation around what it actually takes to get next level results in life and business. You know, I, I felt that uh, I felt my network was at a point where I was having amazing conversations with people that I had been looking up to for so many years and now getting to start to build relationships with them. Um, and I could just curate some amazing content and starting in February, 
I don't know when this is going to come out, but we're recording mid-January. Starting February, we're releasing some solo episodes as well. So if you love like the nitty-gritty tactical stuff about what we're talking about here, this is just like the tip of the iceberg. We're diving into all of it over on the results engine. So we'd love to see as many people over there as, as got valued from this. Yeah, absolutely. It's a phenomenal show. Top 200. It's going to keep climbing the charts. Uh, phenomenal mm-hmm. guest. You know, there's one guest I really like. Um, forget his name, John Marone. Yeah, that. John's uh, <laughs> coming on soon. Fired up for that interview. But for real, man, it, it, it's straight fire over there. Um, and kind of like we do here, we're talking about the story uh, that got us to the glory, but we exactly. also get tactical with it, right? So we want to just don't just give fluff. We want to let you know there's inspiration behind the story. But here are the tools that we went over, you know, to to really get to where we're at. So I, I'm super glad that you launched that podcast and it's already changing lives. Um, so guys, it's a results engine. Go check it out. Where can they find you on social media? What's your website? Give them all the stuff so they can go ahead and stalk you. Yeah, 100%. Stalk away. Uh, I'm just Mike Sesniak on most platforms. Uh, You're going to have to spell that out for him though, John, because it is difficult. Like my goal in life is to have such a big impact that people learn how to spell my name. And then the next level will be maybe pronounce it. But um, yeah, Mike Sesniak on, on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that stuff. Uh, I answer all my DMS. Feel free to, to, to slide in there. If you have any questions, um, websites, Mike Sesniak, that productivity boost is Mike Sesniak.com slash free. So, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. Happy to support however I can. Awesome, man. I appreciate you jumping on here. Any last words of wisdom to drop on the audience before we get this thing wrapped up? But yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, bro. This is a really fun conversation. We dived into some cool stuff. Uh, dived, dove, whatever. Dove. It's been a long day. Like I'm not. I'm not an English though. dude. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm like a numbers guy. Um, I would say I'll throw a curveball because we didn't talk about this as much. That my my number one life pillar is impact over income, and a uh, lot of different things kind of taught me this. We always hear like solve a bigger problem. Uh, bigger the problem, the bigger the paycheck. And at the end of the day, it comes down to how many people that you touch. And a lesson that I took from a book called The Go-Giver, Bob Berg and John David Mann wrote this book. And I was blessed to interview Bob on the podcast. So go check that out if you love the book or if you haven't read the book, just do it. But for me, it was your life will always be, your income will always be directly proportional to the number of lives that you touch in a positive way. So all the stuff that we're talking about is amazing, but I believe in servant leadership. And I believe that if we're going to maximize that calendar, we need to do so in a way that's in service. Uh, I mentioned Thrive earlier, what Cole and Sonia are doing with Thrive Make Money Matter, I think is amazing. And, uh, and I'm all about four purpose businesses. So uh, figure out a way to, to serve more people and you'll be able to generate whatever it is that you want. Yes. I'm in alignment, brother. I'm in alignment. Um, I appreciate your time. I know that uh, you're on a little podcast tour right now. Um, should I say little? I mean, you've probably done like what, 10 so far today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that productivity is definitely skyrocketing. But once again, guys, please go check out Mike. Go ahead and jump on his podcast. Subscribe to it. Um, and also, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. You're watching us on YouTube. Hit the little bell so you'll be subscribed and get the new episodes that drop. Uh, but what I really want is for you to share this podcast out to somebody that could use it, right? Mike talked about this, like, hey, like, who are you serving? How many lives are you touching? So share this out to somebody. You can share it out to your whole entire network or just one person that you know can go ahead and grab some piece of content 
some piece of information and create an implementation to change the trajectory of their future. So go ahead and please do that. Don't be selfish. Um, and if you have any questions whatsoever, Mike will definitely be able to help you out with any kind of productivity. Uh, any questions for me at Real John Marone, you know where to find me. But if I don't see you, if I don't hear from you, then I will definitely see you next week and keep creating the ultimate version of you. Listen.